Hello, hello everybody, how are we doing? So, welcome to the third and final one of our Vision Sundays. Who's enjoyed them? It's been great going through what God has got planned for Jubilee Church Teesside, to hear some of what God's calling us to and to get excited again about God. I've loved it. Um, God's got so much planned for us as a church. And do you know what? Sometimes it's difficult to follow God's leading, isn't it? Sometimes it's easier to do our own thing. Sometimes it's easier to go in, in our own direction. But I'm convinced personally after these three weeks, more than ever, that we should be going after God's. We should be going after what God's called us as a church to do. We should go after this vision with our eyes fixed on Jesus. So I hope you've enjoyed hearing a little bit more and hopefully we'll finish it off this morning and get excited again about what God is doing. And today I'm in the last part of our vision spotlights, looking at the final two Jubilee values. We inspire and we go. And last week, Simon shared a lot about what values are and why they're important. So I won't spend a lot of time doing that this morning. But what I will do is I'll talk about how our vision will play out through these final two values and what some of the key areas are going to be. But before we get into any vision or application, we should go to the Bible, right? That's a good place to start. I want to frame what I'm saying this morning in a famous passage about Jesus, which I feel really models what it means to inspire and to go. Just to say before I start, I find this type of talk really difficult. I want to be honest with you, all right? I love preaching the gospel. I love, pre- I love preaching. My favorite thing to do, but preaching about vision is tough. And uh, I just need you to bear with me this morning as I step right out of my comfort zone. And you might watch me squirm a little bit. I've had a terrible morning. I've had a terrible week. All right. And that's when you know that God's got something planned for you, isn't it? When you've had a bad, bad time coming into it. So please bear with me. We're going to get to the vision. But first, let's get to the Bible. Uh, let's go to John 13, please. And we're going to start from verse 1. Okay, so it was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world. He loved them to the end. And the evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Let's skip a few verses. There's a bit of an argument between Jesus and Peter, but we'll skip on a little bit to verse 12. When he'd finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher. And Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Amen. What a passage, eh? Listen, here we have Jesus and his disciples sitting down and doing something very typical, which they enjoy doing, which was sitting down for a meal together. And in keeping with traditions at the time, one of the first things they would do at mealtime is wash their feet. 
And this would usually be done by a slave. In fact, it wouldn't even be done by a Jewish slave. It would be done by a foreign slave. All right, this was like the worst task ever. It was the most menial task ever. But here in this passage, we do have the perfect example of what it means to inspire, don't we? As Jesus got down on his hands and knees, this is Jesus, the creator of all things. God himself, the Messiah, the one who's come to make all things right. He humbled himself and he took the role of a servant and washed some dirty feet. That's what, I don't know about you, but feet are pretty gross, aren't they? I don't like feet. I don't like my feet. I'm a runner. I've got really pretty gross feet with black toes. I didn't need to tell you that. Ignore the black toes a bit, but uh, I might show you at the end if you want to see. Anyway, I hate feet. Feet are gross. But imagine feet in, I don't know what I'm saying, you say. I'm going off piece. <laughs> imagine feet in Middle Eastern culture. They don't have posh shoes or walking boots or, you know, Air Maxes. Yeah, they would have had some pretty basic sandals, if anything at all. So their feet would have been dusty and dirty, maybe a bit scabby and gross, smelly. Pretty gross. So imagine the scene. This is Jesus washing their feet. He was inspiring them in this moment by doing something which was completely unexpected. He was demonstrating God's love in a real, tangible way. You know that passage in uh, 1 John, we love God because he first loved us. This is a clear example of that. This is that in action. He's showing an extraordinary act of love to his disciples. This is unexpected. It's countercultural. It's mind-blowing. It's inspirational, isn't it? We inspire. But Jesus does that, doesn't he? He blows people's minds. He works in ways that are unexpected. He serves in ways that we can't imagine. That's why the Christian life is such an adventure, isn't it? That's why following God is the best decision you'll ever make because we can never predict what God is going to do. He continues to surprise us every day. Christianity never gets stale or boring, does it? Every day is an adventure. Jesus blows our expectations. Think about Jubilee Church. Just give me a wave if you've been here longer than five years. Think about what God's done in Jubilee over the last five years. Think about some of the people who've joined us and been with us. Think about some of the people who've left. Think about some of the things that we've seen God do. God continues to blow our minds. He astounds us. He inspires us. Listen, Jubilee, as we go forward in the future, as we continue to look at the vision about seeing God move, let's expect the unexpected. Let's be open to God challenging us and moving in unexpected ways. Just imagine how the disciples felt in this story as they saw their master washing feet. That's what Jesus does. See, the thing about washing their feet, it wasn't about making the disciples feel good. It was about inspiring them to go out into the world. This was Jesus showing them what it looks like to be people who lead in a different way. It isn't about status or title, it isn't about being high and mighty and separate from everyone else like we saw with the Pharisees. This was something different. This was servant leadership. We go as servants. And that's what happens. As Christians, we go out into the world with an attitude that we want to serve first. We want to roll up our sleeves and get involved. 
whether that's serving the poor or preaching the gospel, whatever it is, making friends in our day to day, whatever we do, we do it with an attitude of serving. So I'm going to keep coming back to this passage this morning as we go through our spotlights connected to our vision um, with our two values this morning. But the first value I'm going to look at is We Inspire. Is it on the screen behind me? It should be. There we go. And within We Inspire, we've got three main spotlights, three main ways we see our vision focusing over the next few years. They are leadership and discipleship new generations, and finally, advancing nations, all right? So let's get practical for a few minutes. First of all, leadership and discipleship. Listen, this is extremely important for us as a church, isn't it? I think as I alluded to in the passage, leading, leadership involves serving first and foremost, isn't it? Leadership isn't a hierarchical thing. It's not something that a few people do and everyone else aspires to do it. It's not like the ceiling. When you become a leader, you've made it. It's how the world sometimes sees leadership, doesn't it? In fact, it's how the church often sees leadership, if we're honest. It's a title and something to aim for. But actually, Jesus modelled something different when it came to leadership, didn't he? He modelled leadership in a different way. He got down on his hands and knees and he washed feet. And listen, as we're talking about vision, I feel it as a church, that's the type of leader that God wants us to raise. And so hopefully you've already got that culture in Jubilee. Hopefully you see that Simon's often the first person here setting up and the last person to leave. You'll notice on Sunday that our community group leaders uh, are serving in different ways, whether that's teas and coffees or on the door or in kids' work or youth work or in creche. Hopefully we've got an, an attitude and a culture of servant leadership. So we've already got that culture. What does this spotlight mean? What does this vision look like? Well, I think it means raising more and more leaders within the church. Men, women, old, young internationals, university, educated people with no qualifications at all, people from out in Stokesley, people from central Stockton, people from uh, different nations. We want to raise more and more leaders in the church who are able to lead and follow this example of Jesus and take his leadership into the world. That's what we want. That's what leadership and discipleship is about. We want leaders who reflect different parts of society so that they can go out into different parts of society and reflect leadership in a Jesus-focused way. Check out this uh, quote. This is from Natalie Williams. Um, She was with us a few months ago. This says from her amazing book, Invisible Divides. She says, if we want to see diverse churches reflecting people from across our communities, we want that, don't we? And bridging divides, we need a radical shift in our thinking Otherwise, we'll continue to deny leadership roles to the unschooled and ordinary people, those shaped by grit and grace rather than traditional scholarship. If we don't shift our sights when it comes to leadership, then we will inevitably miss some powerful and godly leaders. That's huge, isn't it? Anyone here being shaped by grit and grace? There's a lot of grit and a whole lot more grace in my life, I tell you. That's why we want leaders from different parts of society. That's what this vision is about. And listen, a big part of raising leaders is, of course, discipleship. And discipleship's a hot topic. Are we doing it correctly? Are we doing it enough? Are people growing in faith? These are all 
important questions. And over the next few years, we want to look at how discipleship happens in Jubilee and how people are growing in their relationship with God. But again, in this passage, we see a lot from Jesus about how he discipled his followers. He encouraged his followers, his disciples, to model him. That's what he did. The way we're going to see more disciples in Jubilee, the way we're going to disciple people is by getting them to model Jesus. That's how we do it. There's this amazing passage in Acts, all right, where Peter and John are before the religious leaders. They're before the Sanhedrin. And it says, this is from the Bible, it says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were ordinary, unschooled men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. You see that? As simple as that. It's a cheap answer, isn't it? It's almost Sunday school. The answer is Jesus. But it is. The answer to discipleship is Jesus. The more in love we grow with Jesus, the more we want to model him, the more we get obsessed with him, the more disciples we'll raise, the more genuine followers of Jesus we'll have. We can't apologize for that. What's the plan for discipleship, Gavin? What's the plan? It's Jesus. It's always been the plan. We want people to model Jesus. So that's the first spotlight leadership and discipleship. I'm feeling less nervous now I'm up here. This is good. You all seem happy. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, I'm thinking vision and I'm thinking you guys are going to eat me for breakfast, but it's good. It's good. All right. So that is leadership and discipleship. Next, we've got new generations. Listen, this is something that's close to my heart. Obviously, I still help to lead the youth along with Haley. Um, I'm involved with students in various ways, and you may have noticed I've got two little children of my own. So I've got a bit of a vested interest in new generations. And it's important, I want to say this from the start, it's important that we invest in and take seriously the next generation. Listen, if I'm honest, this is one area that has struggled after COVID. It's one area of Jubilee that we've struggled in. Not students, students is great. We're seeing great stuff with students, but children and young people, I want to be honest, we've struggled. We're finding it tough. I'm sure you might recognize that. Just important to be real. And listen, this is so, so important for us as a church to invest into. Because without the next generation, there won't be a Jubilee church in a few years' time, will there? Without the next generation coming through. We need our young people and children to feel at home, to feel that they belong, and to feel that they can contribute. Because we need them. What's that famous quote from Gav Calver, the head of the Evangelical Alliance? He says, when Jesus wanted to change the world... He started a youth group. Think culturally about the disciples. They were young people. They were young men. When Jesus wanted to change the world, he started a youth group. Young people are important. Let me tell you a quick story that happened to me years ago, which uh, I think should serve as a warning for us. Years ago when I was 18, I did a gap year serving some local churches in Darlington. And these local churches had no young people or families. The churches were getting old. So to try and combat that, they employed a full-time youth worker to work across the various churches and try and bring young people in. And I did a gap year with this guy, and I helped to serve uh, these different churches. And we did loads of different things to try and engage children and families. And I remember one Sunday morning, we decided to do a cafe church event. 
in this church in Darlington. So we moved all of the chairs out of the church and we put all these tables out, all right? And we put all these chairs around the tables. I'll never forget this. It was all set up for uh, a creative morning to try and bring some families and kids in. And as it was all set up, I remember it was quarter past 10, this old guy walked in. He was dressed in his suit, ready for church. And I loved his passion. But he walked in, he, st- he, he, he looked and he stood at the door and he turned around and he stormed out, he slammed the door open and just as he was walking out the door, he looked back and he said, we've got a fight on our hands. If you think we're going to give up this church, you've got another thing coming. And off he went, out the door. And do you know what, that image has stuck with me for years. I'm getting a bit emotional thinking about it. That image has stuck with me for years. I never want to be like that. I know this guy probably had good heart, probably had good intentions, probably loved the church, but that can happen sometimes, can't it? If we're not careful, we can act as a block for young people coming through. Listen, Jubilee's nothing like that. We're always positive about seeing young people released. I know that. But we need to see more of it. And in that, we need to be prepared for it to be messy. As Simon shared last week, we need to make space for children and young people. We need to be prepared for children making a bit of noise or mess in church running around a little bit. Do you know, I'm going to be uh, a little bit honest with you for a second. I feel like I need to apologise to you guys because over the last few months, I've been working really, really hard to get my kids to behave in church. And I, it's been, sorry, I've, I've been um, in the car on the way to church saying, don't run around in church. Don't climb on the chairs. Sorry, give me a second. <laughs> I've, been say, I've, been, I've been grabbing my son during worship so he won't run around because I'm paranoid about what you, what you guys think. And do you know what? <laughs> I know it's fine. I know it's fine. Sorry. Sorry. But do you know what? I, I need to tell you this because I think what I've done is I've modelled something to you guys about this is how we expect children to be in church and we don't. We don't. Do you know what? I've probably made my kids dislike church a little bit. Because in the car this morning, don't run around in church. Sit down in the chair. Sorry. Give me a second. All right, um, I'm going to drink my kids' water and then I'll calm down. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) I told you I was nervous. Listen, we need to be careful when it comes to raising children and young people, but we need to make space for them, yeah? Over the next few years, we need to work hard to release children and young people in Jubilee. Um, Hayley and I are going to be transitioning out of leading youth in the next couple of years and handing over to a new team. That's really exciting. But you know what? We need your prayers for that because transition's always tough. Because just to say, we don't just want uh, a full youth group. We don't just want rows full of young people, do we? We don't just want bums on seats. We want young people released into leadership. That leadership we talked about earlier, we want biblical leaders from within our young people, those who, like Jesus, model what it means to serve. We want inspirational servants. We want to look at new generations coming through into leadership and inspiring us. Yes, it's messy. Yes, it's loud, but it's worth it. We all have a part to play in that, don't we? Come on, let's move on. Advancing Nations, the last of our spotlights in this area. And this is all about our involvement in other countries. We really need to own these projects. Pray for them regularly. 
Make them part of your regular prayer time. It's really important that we see this as part of our vision. This is exciting. Jubilee, we are inspiring the nations. We're part of that. So in doing these three things, leadership, discipleship, new generations, and advancing nations, we're inspiring. That's one of our Jubilee values, isn't it? We inspire because God is our father. God calls us sons and daughters. He gives us a new identity, and he calls us to inspire. All right, the final three spotlights I want to look at this morning are part of We Go. See, the result of being inspired, the result of being being equipped is that we go, right? Church is never about a group of people joining together to have a good time. It's never about gathering around a focal point. No, no, it's about going. It's about being people who go. The reason Jesus washed his disciples' feet was to encourage them to do the same. He says it himself, doesn't he? Verse 15, he says, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. He's saying go out. Model what I've done for you and go. That's what Jesus is saying. So there's three spotlights in this area too. The first of these is extending Alpha. I don't want to say too much about Alpha because we talk about it all the time, but we run a couple of Alpha courses a year in Jubilee and we found it a really helpful way of uh, um, inviting people to explore Christianity. We've got uh, our new Alpha course, which started last week, with 10 new guests, brand new guests, coming to explore faith for themselves. We're expecting more this week as well. Praise God for that. We always say, invite your friends to Alpha, and we always worry on that first night, will anyone come? Well, we had 10 this week, which is amazing, isn't it? And our vision over the next few years is to see more Alphas running in people's homes, in different languages, in schools and colleges, with friends on your street. We're open to suggestions. How might you deliver Alpha? doesn't have to be done the way we've always done it. Our hope is that we have a church that is passionate about reaching out. And one of the ways that we do that is by Alpha. Watch this space because over the next few years, our vision really is to extend Alpha in Jubilee. And that leads us nicely onto our second last spotlight for this morning, which is everyday missionaries. Let me ask you a question. Do you see yourself as a missionary? I had a friend when I was 18 called Timmy Butler. Can we, can we see Timmy on the screen? There he is. There's Timmy Butler. And uh, when we were 18, he decided he would go off to Australia and then China and then South Africa and then Canada and then back to Australia and then back to Canada and then somewhere in the Middle East to be a missionary. All right. He's still doing it now. He's serving as a missionary. And whenever I speak to him now, that's how he describes himself as a missionary. And he shares um, the good news of Jesus across the world in different cultures. He's an amazing guy. He's got some amazing Instagram stories, I tell you. And uh, he's seeing lots of people saved. He's living every day for Jesus in different cultures around the world. I love chatting to him. It gives me faith. But guess what? We here in Teesside are no different to my friend Timmy, the missionary, are we? I mean, we serve the same God, right? We have the same message. We have the same good news. We just maybe do it in a slightly less exotic mission field than he does. We don't have the Sydney Opera House. We've got Ingleby Barwick or whatever. <laughs> Sorry if you live in Ingleby. I like Ingleby. It's nice. <laughs> Listen, we are called to be everyday missionaries. We're called to carry Christ into our day-to-day. See, by washing the disciples' feet, what was Jesus doing? 
Well, it was taking a mundane day-to-day act that they would have done every day and seen a million times, and he was teaching something profound about himself through that. There's a lesson in there for us. We too can be people who take our mundane, everyday things and use them to reflect Jesus to a world that so desperately needs him. Whatever we do, however it is that we serve, we do it with a mindset that we want to see people come to know Jesus. Just last year, we did a whole series about this, about being everyday missionaries. Go back and listen to it on the website. There's some great stuff in there, how you can practically do it. Listen, be encouraged that God will use you in your day-to-day. Jesus calls us to be salt of the earth, doesn't he? He calls us to go around and spread his word in every situation that we're in. That doesn't just involve preaching the gospel, but how we live our lives. And over this next season, God is raising more and more everyday missionaries in this church. Who's excited about that? Come on, come on. All right, we're nearly there. Multiple communities. This is our second last one. This is a controversial one, all right? The radical one. If you've not been listening, you should be listening now, all right? This is the one we're ready for. Multiple communities. I'm just kidding. I'm building it up. But listen, I shared a few weeks ago that we believe God's calling us different, uh, to think differently about how we do church. Let me fill in some gaps for you. Um, a few years ago during COVID, we had lots of prophetic words, didn't we, about God doing things differently. The church has left the building. Do you remember that? People saying things aren't going to be the same as they were. And you know, as elders, we take that seriously. We, we took it seriously because we believe that God does um, break the mold sometimes, doesn't he? Think about the passage. Jesus did something unexpected. We can't expect God to work in the same way, whether that's walking on water or opening blind eyes or indeed washing feet. Jesus does things in unexpected ways. So we took this seriously. And I remember we chatted about it as, uh, as elders uh, during lockdown on Zoom. We had some big conversations I remember one of them, like, we said, do you remember this guy's blank slate? If we started Jubilee again, what would it look like? If we got rid of everything, what would be the non-negotiables? It was that sort of scary faith-building conversation because we believed that we didn't want to be the same when we came out of COVID. And guess what? We came out of COVID and things looked different, didn't they? We had a new venue for, for starters. But we believe this is just the start. Listen, the vision we have is for multiple communities to meet across Teesside. Not one big church that everyone flocks to for a good seat for the show, but rather multiple communities on people's doorsteps. Personally, being a Stockton, I've loved meeting here in Stockton. It's great for reaching out. Where do you meet? Where's your church? Oh, it's just over there. It's that big pointy one. You know, big purple doors. It's easy. We want to have communities meeting on people's doorsteps, two, maybe three, four, who knows over the years, different parts of Teesside, different worshiping communities, but the same vision and the same leadership. Now, anyone who knows me knows I'm a doer, all right? I like to get things done, so my question is how? And the answer might disappoint you. We don't know. We don't know just yet. We've got a million questions. What about kids' work? What about preaching? What about tea and coffee? Really important. Will we have enough people to replicate everything twice on a Sunday? Will we even replicate everything twice on a Sunday? Is that what this is about? Is the church going to split? I don't want the church to split. I like my friends. Will someone else sit in my seat? I've always sat in a seat. 
Listen, let me just put your mind at ease for a second, all right? Hear this. This is really important. The church is not going to split. Say it with me. The church is not going to split. Come on. We need to practice that. You're all different speeds there. The church is not going to split. It's not like we say everyone from Middlesbrough, off you go, bye-bye now. Stokesley, you're too posh, off you go, get out on your own now. That's not what we're going to do. That's not what multiple communities is about. That is categorically not what we're going to do. If you hear nothing else from this talk this morning, the church is not going to split. If the idea of multiple communities has given you that sense, as it has for a lot of people, you've spoke to me, please rest assured, please trust us with this. The church is not going to split. But the reality is, though, we don't know practically what it's going to look like to have multiple communities. It might be an evening meeting. It might be a different day of the week. It might be church done in a different style. Who knows? But that is exciting, isn't it? We're going on an adventure together. But let me guarantee you one thing as one of the leaders of the church. Whatever it looks like, it'll be led by God. However we do this multiple communities things, it'll be started off with prayer and seeking God. Please trust us with that. We're going after God with this one. So watch this space over the next few months and year as we seek God on this part of the vision, multiple communities. Okay, I'm going over my time here. I'm going to be in trouble. Last one, remember the poor, okay? Last, but of course, obviously not least, remember the poor. I almost don't need to mention this one, it feels like, because serving others is ingrained into our DNA at Jubilee, isn't it? Whether it's serving refugees and asylum seekers through Open Door or a whole range of people through Hope or mums and toddlers through um, Jubilee Tots or whoever it is that we serve just by being carriers of Christ ourselves. It's in our DNA to serve others. We really believe in that. I don't need to mention our passage again for the ultimate example of that, do I? But listen, we're in scary times, aren't we, in the UK? We're in dark times for the UK. Just last week, we were at the Christ Central prayer meeting and there was prophecies and prophetic words. We felt the weight of that. This is a difficult season for the UK. Probably the most difficult we've seen in years. People will struggle financially. People will be needy. We need to be real about it. People are going to be struggling. But guess what? We've got the answer, haven't we? In the darkest season, we've got the answer. And that answer is a beautiful light of Jesus. We've got the answer. Listen, I loved what Jodie brought during prayer week. I don't think we've made enough of this prophetic word. Maybe you missed it. Um, she was traveling to church and she saw a sign on a bus stop and it said, let the last place you would come to for help be the first. And she said prophetically, that's what she feels like God's calling us as a church to be. For a lot of people, church would be the last place they'd come for help. But actually, that's going to be the first as we reach out and serve the poor and needy around us. That's what I want us to be as a church. I want people to come into contact with us and be surprised that we actually want to help them. I've loved being more involved with the Hope Foundation recently. That is us as a church in action, serving the poor and needy in Middlesbrough, building community, giving people skills, bringing people out of darkness, giving them hope. We're already doing it as a church, but we want to see more. Listen, we're going to have desperate people coming in walking into the last place they'd expect, but we've got the answer. And I believe as we serve the poor, we're going to see people lifted out of darkness and into God's glorious light. We're going to see salvation, aren't we? That's what we want. All right, that's it. We have it. Jubilee's vision is all done. Three weeks all done. I would encourage you to go back and listen to these talks. Please grab your little cards, pray about the vision, 
pray about the spotlights, see all that we're involved in. But let me just say, we've all got a part to play in this vision. I hope your faith's been built because this is about all of us doing something together in this new season. This is about God calling us into a new season and all of us together on this mission. We're following God into a new season, but some things don't change. I want to end with this. Some things don't change. First of all, we're a church that loves Jesus, aren't we? We're a church that loves his presence. We're a church that loves his word. But guess what? This is the thing I love most about Jubilee. We're a church that doesn't take themselves too seriously. We're a family on this mission together. We're excited about what it's doing. This is an adventure that we're all on board with. Raj started these three weeks by asking if you were on board. I'm looking at faces now and I know that you are. Simon, over to you. You're going to talk to us about giving, right? Perfect. Thank you.